0: morning and thank you for joining with us today. As many of you know, this morning we're going to take the Lord's Supper at the end of the service. And I hope that you have the elements near you already this morning. But of course we'll get to that a little later. I want to start this morning uh, by looking at a passage in Exodus chapter 12. As you know, when Jesus and the disciples took what, was n- what we know today as the Last Supper or uh, the Lord's Supper on that Thursday before He was crucified, they were actually taking part in a holy festival called the Passover. They were taking part in the Passover feast. See, the Passover festival commemorates and celebrates the way that God had spared His people. If you remember, when uh, God's people were in Egypt and they were enslaved under the leadership and dictatorship of Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt in those days, God desired to liberate his people. And he called Moses to go to Pharaoh and to say those famous words, let my people go. If you know the story, and most of you do, you know that Pharaoh did not... Uh, did not take that very well, and he actually refused to let the Israelites go. And so in response, God uh, sent, sent certain plagues to Egypt in order to force Pharaoh's hand. And one of the consequences of Egypt's sin is that one of those plagues involved what was called the death angel that would visit on a particular night. We would The death angel would visit every home in Egypt and would bring death to every one of those homes every one of them would have a member of their family and some of their livestock would be killed and that was true for everyone except for those who had who had taken the blood of this sacrificial lamb and had had uh, applied the blood and covered their Their doorposts and the lintel of their door, the door, the frame of the door going into their home, if they covered that with the blood of the sacrificial lamb, the residents of that home and their livestock and all other things would be spared. And as the disciples sat there with Jesus taking part in the Passover feast, they did not realize that they were sitting there with Jesus. The person of the Passover. So I want to look at this passage from Exodus chapter 12. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to skip down and read verses 12 through 14. Uh, And as we go through here, we're going to see some things about how Jesus is reflected in the Passover because He indeed is the person of the Passover. Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, they must select an animal of the flock according to their father's households, one animal per household. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what each person will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year-old male. You may take it from either sheep or from the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Now down to verse 12. The Lord says this. He says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day is to be a memorial for you and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it through your generations as a permanent statue. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, for, uh, for the Word of God that gives us, uh, Father, so much instruction, Father. It gives us a glimpse into you, your heart and your character, God, and into the history of our faith. And God, I pray that, that your word that is sharper than any double-edged sword, that you would pierce our hearts with your word this morning as we prepare to worship you uh, more later in the service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to look at some of Exodus chapter 12 here. And we are going to see some things from Exodus chapter 12, some things about the person of the Passover. The first thing that I want you to understand is that the lamb and the goat are symbolic of Jesus. Verses five. Through eight, he tells them to take uh, take a, a a male lamb. It could be a sheep or a goat. It's a baby, and both the sheep and the goat are symbolic of Jesus. The lamb, as we think of a the, the lamb as a sheep, is symbolic of the uh, of uh, of the first earthly life that we have. Uh, a lamb is, is humble, it's, it's innocent, and it's spotless without blemish. And we understand that Jesus was humble, innocent, and without any blemish spiritually. The lamb is symbolic of the life that, that, that we should have as believers. Symbolic of, of the life that, uh, uh, that is redeemed by Jesus Christ. We, we understand that. Uh, That that the lamb is sinless and innocent. Listen, you and I are not innocent. We are not sinless, but because Jesus was innocent and Jesus was was uh, was 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 without blemish and without sin, we too could be counted as uh, as being. Righteous in the eyes of God, not because of our righteousness, but because of His. But you know, the goat is symbolic as well of a second life that we are given. You see, when the death angel passes through Egypt, death will come to every home except to those who have applied the blood of the Lamb, sacrificed in substitution for their sins. In the book of Leviticus the Lord will give Israel instructions for another celebration and another holy day that's called the Day of Atonement. And on that day a sacrifice is made by a high priest for the sins of the people and once everything is done exactly the right way, the priest pronounces that the sins of the people have been transferred to a goat. It's called the scapegoat. And then the goat is released back into the wilderness and that symbolizes that, that the goat is taking the sins of the people far away from them. And this is exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. And when His blood is applied to the doorpost and the lintel of your heart, then the spiritual death angel passes over. And your sins, because your sins, have been transferred to Jesus, your scapegoat, who separates you from your sins as far as, as far as the east is from the west. So we understand that the sacrificial lamb, both the sheep and the goats, are symbolic of Jesus. Jesus' innocent death on the cross, crucified, although he was sinless, and Jesus as The one who receives our sins, our sins are transferred to him like that scapegoat. But the next thing that that I want you to understand is that this lamb is sacrificed publicly. Okay, The lamb is sacrificed publicly, but his blood is applied personally. So we see in verse 6, it says that, that this sacrificial lamb will be kept for a certain amount of time, and then the whole assembly of Israel will get together, and, and it, this, this lamb will be sacrificed. It's sacrificed publicly. But then in verse 7, we see how it's applied, and it's applied personally. Listen, this represents an important piece of Christian theology. Because when Jesus died on the cross, He died very publicly in front of everyone that was there. He died on the cross for, for you. He died on the cross for me. He lived in, uh, a perfect life and died on the cross for the sins of every person who had ever lived. The work of Christ on the cross paid the penalty for every sin of every person, past, present, and future. So in a way, the sacrifice of Jesus in and of itself is public domain in that it is available to anyone. It is available to you. No matter what you've done and where you have been, Jesus' death on the cross and His sacrifice that is a substitute payment for your sin. It is available to you, but yet it is not applied to everyone. It's available to everyone, but it's only been applied to you personally if you have faith in God. Christ, if you have trusted in him, if you have if you have submitted your heart to him, if you have repented of your sins, which means I'm turning away from those things. I realize those things are evil and they're not right in the sight of God. And instead, because I believe in Jesus and I and I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, and I believe and I have faith in Jesus, I'm repenting of those sins, turning from them, and turning toward God. God, that is when the blood of Christ is applied personally to you. You see, knowing Jesus died on the cross is not enough. Everyone in the community knew about the, perfect, uh, about the public sacrifice of Jesus. In the Passover days, everyone knew about all the people in the, in the community of, of God's people would have seen and knew and were aware of the sacrifice of that lamb. But the ones who were spared were the ones who personally applied the blood to their lives. And today we celebrate with those who have a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ. And that's part of what we will do when we take the Lord's Supper and we we remember what He has done for us. It's an an act of worship and it proclaims the gospel and it gives us reason to reverently celebrate what Christ has done. But it does bring up a question to all of us today, wherever you are. I just want to ask you this question. Has the blood of Christ been personally applied in your life? Has it been personally applied in your heart? Can you remember when Jesus' uh, when Jesus' uh, blood was applied to your life, when you came to Christ, do you remember that? You know, I, I remember it was my senior year of high school. I knelt down by my bed at home and my parents had an old King James Bible and it had a black cover on it and a little, a little zip-up cover and you opened it up and had those red pages on it. And I remember reading that King James Bible and for the first time understanding some of the things in the Bible and for the first time understanding my need for Jesus, what it meant that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and what it meant to put my faith in in Him. And I knelt down by my bed. I wasn't at a church. I wasn't at a camp. It was just at home, just like you are today, at home, many of you. I knelt down by my bed and I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And instantly, listen, listen, just, just, just like that, it, it felt like a weight had been lifted from my shoulders. Now, I don't know the exact date, I know the best I can remember, it was November of my senior year of high school. So it was November of 1995, and and I don't remember the exact date, but I remember that moment. I remember when Jesus came into my life, when that blood was applied. Listen, it didn't make me perfect. It didn't mean that I would never struggle with sin. What it meant was that the blood of Christ... At that moment was applied on my behalf, and all of my sins, past, present and future were forgiven and were atoned for. And because of that and that alone, I will live forevermore in heaven with my Creator and my Lord. Has the blood of the lamb been personally? applied in your life. Listen, Jesus did not die on the cross to have a religion for you to share. There's a lot of religions in the world. We've got a lot of religions. There were a lot of religions in that day. He died on the cross to share a relationship with you. Yes, there are religious aspects to our relationship with Christ. The Lord's Supper is a religious aspect of that but that those religious things are symbolic of a real relationship but listen without the relationship the religion is empty we're just going to use unleavened bread and grape juice this morning There's nothing special about those things in and of themselves. What's special, what is amazing, and what is holy is that which those elements represent. The broken body and blood of Jesus Christ shed on our behalf. I want you to understand also the third thing is that the Passover feast was instituted to be a memorial of something God did that His people first experienced. God said, I'm going to to do the Passover. Okay, I'm sending the death angel. And if you will apply the blood to your doorpost, you will be spared. And indeed they were spared. And, And then God said, and I want you to celebrate this. From now on, I want this to be a permanent thing that you celebrate and commemorate. Let this be a memorial of what I have done and what you have experienced. And when Jesus takes the Lord's Supper with His disciples at the Passover feast, He says to them, do this in remembrance of Me. If you're taking the Lord's cup with us this morning, it means that you have already trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you have a testimony of faith in Jesus. That you have already experienced that blood being applied into your life. It means that blood has already been applied. And At First Baptist Church in Perryville, Arkansas, we ask that for anyone taking the Lord's Supper, that you have a testimony of faith of salvation through faith alone in Christ alone. And then as a sign of your faith in Christ that you have been at some point in your life scripturally baptized by immersion. And scripturally baptized by immersion means you're baptized after salvation. Baptism happens to somebody who is already been saved somebody whose heart has 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 the blood of Christ already been applied to it and so if that is your testimony here today then we invite you to take the Lord's cup with us this morning as a brother and sister in Christ but listen for the believer we have to understand that that uh, that, that what Christ has done for us and and uh, we need to Uh, We need to remember you are invited here today to join with us as we remember what Christ has done, as we remember uh, the experience that we have had, the experiences that we continue to have in our relationship with the Lord, how He has moved in our life. And of course, first and foremost, when He saved us from our sins, when His blood was applied to our lives. Listen, if you don't have a testimony of salvation through faith in Christ, then your invitation this morning is is not necessarily to remember. Your invitation this morning is to experience the work of Christ first and foremost by having the blood of Christ applied to you personally this morning. Scripture tells us that salvation is found through faith alone and Christ alone. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you can be saved. Listen, that means that an authentic, biblical relationship with God that brings salvation, a saving faith, is something that begins in the heart. And in it, it bubbles up. It becomes evident in our lives. Listen, you're not saved by any words that you say. But it's, the words, though, can reflect the truth and the reality of what is in our heart. The Scripture says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not because of the words you say but because of the faith that is in your heart. Have you called upon His name? If you haven't, you can do that right now, right where you are. You can call upon His name. You can turn from your sins and receive Jesus into your heart this morning. There are no magic words. There are are many examples of things that you could pray that are out there, but there are no magic words. It is a confession of faith from your heart Two God's. You can do that right now. If that's you, listen, praise God. If that's you, we praise God, we celebrate with you this morning. But listen, you need to talk to somebody. I would love to talk with you. I would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. If you've made a decision for Christ, then as soon as possible go and click on that online response tab and, and let us know so that we can get in touch with you so that I can get in touch with you and connect with you. Listen, this morning, if you're here and you're a believer in Christ, and the truth is, is the blood of Christ has been already applied to your life, and as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper here this morning, let me encourage you to prepare your heart for this holy ordinance. See, the Lord's Supper is sacred It should be done in complete reverence to Christ. As we remember what He has done, Scripture tells us that we should should not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner and we are called to examine ourselves before we participate. If you're not ready to receive the Lord's Supper this morning for whatever the reason, let me encourage you not to tune out when we get to that portion of the service. I want to encourage you to to watch and observe the ordinance being carried out because Scripture tells us that when we take the Lord's Supper, that we are proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. It symbolizes the gospel message. It preaches the gospel. And I don't know about you, but when I'm struggling with something, when I'm down about something, when I'm anxious about something, when I'm on edge about something. Man, it's the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ that anchors me and reminds me of His love for me. See, for the Passover feast, God's people were instructed to eat. To Well, actually, they were instructed... Uh, to eat unleavened bread for a week and then to remove all of the leaven from their home. Leaven is yeast, if you didn't know that. In Scripture, leaven or yeast often represents sin. And here's the principle of that. The Lord's Supper, being a holy and a very special thing, should not be observed or taken in the presence of sin. And so in just a moment the music will begin. And you are invited to examine your heart this morning. And for some of you, That might mean that you just continue to praise God for what He has done. Some of you, that might mean as you examine your heart, God may reveal something to you, a sin or something that needs to be confessed, something that needs to be committed. If you are a believer in Christ, we want you to examine your heart as you prepare to take the Lord's cup with us today. So, so right where you are, whatever you are doing, I invite you to worship with us, but also to examine your heart, ready yourself to take part in this Christ-exalting act this morning.